generation is rising on an emerging generation of kings. Now, let me get into the word. Are you ready for the word of life? <laughs> All right. Let's go to the book of John chapter 14. John 14, 16 to 20. We're going to start off today from the book of John. J-O-H-N 14 and from 16 to 20. If you're there, say something. <laughs> John 14, 16 to 20. The word says from verse 16, And I will pray, Jesus speaking, and I will pray the Father or ask of the Father and he will give you another helper. Hey, uh, he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. So take note of this. He will give you another helper. The Holy Spirit is not alone. That other helper is not alone. You know football clubs, how they're doing their transactions where we're learning you a player. The Holy Spirit is not alone to the believer. He's a gift. When I say he's not alone, he's not a L-O-A-N to the believer. Right? He is a gift to the believer. Say that. The Holy Spirit is not alone to me. He's a gift to me. Mm -hmm. Because he's not alone to me, I am never alone. Because he's not alone, I'm never alone. He's a gift to me. So I will pray the Father will give you another helper, Paracletus, another one of my kind, another one who is like me. He's exactly like me. And that he may abide with you, how? Forever. So the Holy Spirit is not, he doesn't do terms with a believer. Like, oh, this is the first term of the Holy Spirit. Presidents have the first term, the second term, the third term, right? <laughs> and many countries, the presidency is a four-year term. The Holy Spirit does not run a regime system, a tenure-hour system with a believer. He's a gift. I'm teaching already. I hope you're getting this. He's a gift. The word says he will abide. To abide means to stay. It means to remain. It does not mean he's visiting. The Holy Spirit doesn't visit me as a believer. He indwells me as a believer. I hope you're taking notes already. He indwells me as a believer. Not only can I enjoy the infilling of the Holy Spirit, I am given the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. It's one thing for me to be filled with the Spirit at one point, and then after a while, he just, you know, something like gets upset and all of that, and he leaves. No. He said he's never going to leave. He abides with me, how? Forever. Verse 17 says, that he is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. You see that now, that truth frees people. The absence of truth will cause people to remain bound. So by the truth, I am set free. John 8 tells us that. And it says that this spirit is the spirit of truth. So it means that this spirit, the Holy Spirit, is also the spirit of freedom. Because the spirit of truth is the spirit of freedom. Watch that. The spirit of deception is the spirit of bondage. So the spirit of deception is the spirit of bondage. The spirit of truth is the spirit of freedom. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. It says whom the world cannot receive. Why? Because the world are dealing with deception. The world is dealing with deception. And that deception also keeps the world in bondage. You see that now. So on the side of truth, there is freedom. Also on the side of truth, there is faith. The truth of God produces faith in my heart. 
faith in my heart produces freedom in my life. You see the now. Now the lies of the devil produce deception, right? Or the deception of the devil and, and the lies of the devil produce fear, okay? So truth produces a faith which leads to my freedom, okay? Now deception produces what? Fear, and that fear leaves, leaves me in bondage. So I'm given not just the truth, but also the spirit of truth. I'm not just given the hard facts of who I am in Christ. The spirit that governs that, the spirit that births that reality, the spirit that makes that truth, truth, or that, that testifies of that truth as truth has been given to me. He says the world cannot receive him. Why? Because it neither sees him nor knows him. The world does not recognize the Holy Spirit. So the world will say something said, or I just felt. The believer should graduate from saying something said, or I just felt. So the Holy Spirit instructed me. I could perceive that the Spirit of God was leading me, in a, leading me in a certain direction. As we discern, as we grow in discernment, as we grow in maturity, our language and our vocabulary should also align with the revelation that we are receiving in our spirit. The world does not seem, does not know him, but you know him. For he dwells with you and will be in you. He dwells where? With you. Now, how is he dwelling with them? Jesus was speaking to them. So when I said the Holy Spirit dwells with you, he was saying that because I am baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit, for the word says that the Holy Spirit, that Jesus Christ was baptized with the Spirit without measure. So the, Jesus was baptized with the Holy Spirit. We know that. The Bible makes it very clear to us in Acts chapter 10, verse 13, one of my favorite scriptures, very have quoted so many times, how God anointed Jesus of Christ of Nazareth with Holy Ghost and power, who went about doing good and healing all those oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. How did he anoint him? By the smearing of the Holy Spirit, the, the shaman, the oil of the Holy Spirit. Right. Understands we're going somewhere this morning. Is that you that the Holy Spirit dwells with you? So he was dwelling with them because he was dwelling in Jesus Christ. Is that but he will dwell in you, he will be in you. How is that gonna happen? At the time of the baptism, at the time of the baptism, the immersion, uh, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in which the early church was going to be birthed, and into which the holy uh, the believers today are baptized when you have faith in christ jesus the holy spirit does a work of requiting and regeneration in your spirit man and when you expose yourself to this truth i'm teaching this morning when you say lord i receive the baptism of the holy spirit then you also now have not just the regeneration by the spirit but you also have the baptism of the spirit which means that your life is immersed in the spirit of god now tell you something things about the holy spirit today it says, he dwells, he dwells with you and will be in you. Verse 18, it says, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Now, one of the things I want to realize at this point in history is that the disciples were largely teenagers. If you've been in those long teaching sessions I've exposed this to you before, a little bit of Bible history will reveal to you that many of the disciples were teenagers. Now, you might have seen certain pictures in my book, book of Bible stories, or some kind of history book, where disciples looked like they had all those long beards with men in their middle age. Maybe it was only two or three of them that were in the middle age, but many of them were teenagers or in their early 20s, right? 
So the deal was that the only life that they had known, their adult life, their career progression was connected to this Messiah, connected to this Jesus Christ, connected to this man who started up being everybody's guy, the popular popular jingle, the one that everybody loved, the routed for. And as he began to grow in, in his ministry, we discovered now that Jesus becomes increasingly controversial. He is saying what people will call weird stuff. Imagine a preacher today saying things like, except you drink my blood and eat my flesh. Jesus was saying things like that. And many people left him that day. He was saying things like, I have not come with peace, but I have come with a sword. But I thought the Messiah was supposed to be the Prince of Peace. He was saying certain things that were controversial, but that were intentionally inspired and necessary so that the full scope and the full spectrum of his personality, rather his mission, his mandate, and his assignment will be fully communicated to the earth. So now, as his ministry begins to grow, he's no longer as popular in the culture. He's no longer as acceptable. And that means that the prospects for his disciples were now becoming increasingly endangered. So the disciples were beginning to get worried. This is the reason Peter didn't want Jesus to die. Because the death of Jesus meant that their superstar, their hero, their champion, their lord, their mentor, their life coach, their numero uno, their sensei was going to be absent. And they were going to be unduly vulnerable and left alone and uh, somewhat confused because they did not have any other plan. That's why when Jesus said to them, are you also going to leave me? And Peter said, where can we go knowing that you have the words of life? In other words, is that you have the word for our life with you. In other words, we believed you. That's why we came after you. So they didn't want Jesus to die. They didn't want Jesus to leave because it was going to make them anxious or rather vulnerable. So that's what Jesus was saying here in verse 18 when it says, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. What Jesus was saying is, even when my physical absence is no longer with you, I am not going to leave you orphans. I'm not going to leave you uncovered. I'm not going to leave you vulnerable. This is what Jesus is saying to somebody right now. It's possible that you've lost your dad. Or maybe you never even knew your dad. You're like, oh, well, those of you who lost your dad, at least you knew your dad. I never knew my dad. I never knew my mom. I didn't grow up with family. Maybe that's you today. And this is the Holy Spirit saying to you, I will not leave you orphans. Jesus wants you to know that regardless of the pressure, the tension, the crisis, the heartbreak, the delay, uh, the disruptions you've been through in your life. For many of you, you've had to change plans so many times. This year, most of us <laughs> have altered our plans so many times. There's so many things I thought I would have done by now. But do you know what? It's still all good because I'm not an orphan. Please leave a comment in the comment box. Shout, I'm not an orphan. My life is not an orphanage. My home is not an orphanage. I am not an orphan because Jesus promised that I will send you another helper. Somebody give God praise that you're not alone. Give God praise right now that you are not alone. Can we honor the Lord with a hand clap? Can you honor the Lord with some clasped hands? Can you honor the Lord with a wave offering that you are not alone? Jesus said, I will not leave you orphans. How do we apply today? There might be times in your life where you're like, where am I? What's going on in my life? Everything seems scattered. Everything looks like it's falling apart. I don't know what to do with my life. I want to know this. You are not alone. Jesus has promised, I will not leave you an orphan. You are not an orphan. I am with you. What does that guarantee us? In this world, there is trouble. In this world, there is tribulation. In this world, there is crisis. In this world, there is uncertainty. But I'm not an orphan. 
You know what makes an orphan vulnerable? The orphan is so vulnerable because he does not know who to direct him. He does not know who's going to provide for him. He does not know who's going to cater to him. He does not know who to trust even when he's adopted sometimes. You know that? Because it's like if anybody, if someone was wicked enough, cruel enough to abandon me and let me go, how can I trust any other person? The dilemma of the orphan is that the people that brought him into this world have abandoned him. Now, if those who have brought you into this world have abandoned you, who can you trust? Who should you trust? Who should you look up to? Well, Jesus wants you to know, even when those that you trusted, those you believed in, those who promised to never leave you, those that you looked up to abandon you, David said, when my father, if my father, my mother forsake me, the Lord will take me up. Psalm 27, somebody shout, I'm not abandoned. In the midst of the desperation, in the midst of the crisis, in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the uncertainty, in the midst of the upheavals, the downturns, in the midst of the shakings, of the trouble, troubles and the rumblings, in the midst of whatever it is hell is throwing at you, you are not an orphan and you are empowered for this, last week we said that God had a plan. And we also said that God had a purpose. And then we said that God has a people. Let me tell you something about you being a part of God's people. You are empowered for this. And Jesus says, I will send you, I will give you another helper. I will leave you off of this. I want us to become intentional about practicing this. Whenever you feel alone this week. Say to yourself, I'm not an orphan. I have help. I'm not an orphan. I have direction. I'm not an orphan. I trust God. I'm not an orphan. God's got this covered. God's, God's got me covered. Once you understand this, this is a substrate of disposition. That Jesus has promised that I'm not alone. So what were the things that they benefited, if I can use that expression, from their being with Jesus or, they, or Jesus being with them? You know when Jesus was with them? Jesus is so cool. Physically cool. Like... Jesus, they were hungry. Imagine how much cooler could you ask your friends to be or your friend to be if you had a friend who anytime you were hungry, this guy will produce food for you. Jesus, this guy was stuck and Jesus said, find out what you have. They had five loaves of bread and two fish. He said, bring them to me. And guess what happened? He multiplied it. Isn't that cool? How many of you would love to have a friend like that? A friend that multiplies bread and fish. This guy comes to your house and suddenly, right, you only have a loaf of bread and we have a, a slice of yam. So, guys, don't worry, don't worry, I'll multiply it. <laughs> what is a love of friend like that? <laughs> Imagine if you had a friend, any illness, any ailment, any sickness in any part of your body, any part of your family, stab a finger with one visit, speak of the word, healing or cause. That was who Jesus was to them in this physical expression. So they were worried now. A friend, that when all hell is breaking loose in the culture, he would say, go and tell Herod that fox. He had such authority. What Jesus was saying to the disciples, and I wanted to get it right now, is that when I leave, you are not going to miss out on what I used to do when I was physically here. I'm going to ensure that you have the empowerment. Hey, yeah. Somebody shout, I have reinforcement. Somebody shout, I have empowerment. The Lord wants me to say to somebody right now, you have the power 
for that issue. You have the power for that project. You have the power for that assignment. You have the power for that mission. You have the power for that mandate. You have the power. You have the power. Can you lay your hands on your head right now and shout, I have help. Shout it. I'll deal with that a lot more later. But I want to shout it right now. I have help in the name of Jesus. I want to look out for opportunities to manifest this this week. I don't want it to be somebody who carries a bunch of keys. You are not supposed to be a janitor of the kingdom. Even though you have the keys of the kingdom. You are not to wear the keys around your neck as a decoration. You're supposed to apply this word and apply it for experiential transformation in line with the heart transformation and mental reorientation that the Spirit of God has given you every time we gather, every time you baptize yourself in the word personality. He said, you're not going to miss anything. So what are the three major things I can stand with or lay hold of that the Holy Spirit does in my life? Because what Jesus said is that the Holy Spirit dwells with you, but he will dwell in you. Hey, hey. In other words, the way the Holy Spirit dwells in me and I'm able to walk on water, the way the Holy Spirit dwells in me and I can speak to the waves and the winds, peace but still, the way the Holy Spirit dwells in me and I can walk up to the beer with some dead boy from the widow of Nain, I touch the beer and the boy comes back to life. The way the Holy Spirit dwells in me, watch this, and I stand before the grave of Lazarus and I command him to come out, Lazarus come out from the tomb and Lazarus comes out from the tomb. That same Holy Spirit who has empowered me, He's dwelling in you. And we know that that is true for believers who have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And if you have not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit today, at the end of this teaching or in the course of this teaching, you will receive that. What is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? It is the immersion of the Holy Spirit. It is the empowerment of the Holy Spirit beyond regeneration that wraps you up and envelopes you. It's not just about speaking in tongues, even though that's one of the manifestations. And it's also a gift. So there is a manifestation of tongues, but there's also the gift of tongues, which are two different things. of tongues is everybody can pray in tongues, right? But then there is also the gift of tongues. The word says, This time shall them that believe shall cast out demons in my name. Take and deadly things shall not harm them. They shall speak in other tongues. So speaking in tongues is not a Pentecostal. As I'm saying, people say it's a Pentecostal thing. It's not a Pentecostal inheritance, it's the believer's inheritance, right? It helps for prayer language, descendant, hallelujah. Can we pray in tongues for about a minute right now? Pray in other tongues, pray in the Holy Ghost. If you have not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I pray that even now you receive that. Can you raise your hands? Make it hotter, make it deeper, make it stronger, make it hotter, make it deeper, make it stronger, make it hotter, make it deeper, make it stronger. 
tongue. Ligroso kotose kola dureko shiyanda basi yanda bote. Rikato roko poli aduvresi yandoske. Lupe kunde kede baya kushake yakataga. Risato kele kombra dukolia. Hindo brosu zopoli yandoshka. Riskate kele hushkele. Rima kola bosandi olosote le baradoveza. Hilobosuari yanda broskele duvri yanda boshia. Hirata katakala hureke de bola. Hurosi yanda basi le Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Somebody you can feel fire burning in your heart. Uh, if that's happening, even if it's not happening, the rest of this teaching will pray under your breath. Receive it. Receive it. One of the things that the Lord said to me is that in the second half, we're going to have so much fire. That's why you cannot miss changeover, the three-day fasting and prayer program the Lord has ordained for us. You're going to immerse yourself because those prayer altars need to burn again. The manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit need to become prominent in your life again. The lockdown shouldn't lock down the gifts of the Spirit. The downtime should actually be a trigger for an upturn in the right direction. So three major things that I'm guaranteed because of the presence of the Holy Spirit in my life. So number one, watch this. Because of the Holy Spirit, I have holiness. So the empowerment of the Holy Spirit empowers me to walk in manifest holiness. Somebody say holiness. One of the first things the Holy Spirit does, regeneration in my heart. The word says that I have the regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit produces holiness in my life. Not just in my spirit, but in my life. Now because I belong to God, I am already set apart. To be holy means to be set apart. It means to be separated. The Hebrew word is kadosh. So it's used to describe God and the things that belong to God. So kadosh, right? I believe the Greek word is hagiazo, right? Which talks about separation. And another way, sanctification. In the Hebrew, it also means a difference. You know, not like the rest. Different. Different. The holy holiness of God is the difference of God. That God is not like any man. God is not like anything, like any being. Now, when I get saved, and you see this through the New Testament, the believers are referred to as saints. They're referred to as saints, which is holiness, separation. Uh, so somebody's going to go, well, if I'm already holy, then why does God still say, be holy? <laughs> right? I'm going to read a couple of things for you or to you. First Peter chapter 2, 9 to 10 says, 1 Peter 2, 9 to 10, but you are a chosen generation. A royal priesthood. Watch this. A holy nation. Who's Peter writing to? By extension now, the entirety of the body of Christ. But the primary audience he was speaking to were the Hebrews who had received the life of Jesus by placing their faith in Jesus. And is saying to them primarily, that, that was his primary audience, right? You are a holy nation. His own special people. That you may proclaim the praise of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. <laughs> who once were not a people, but are now the people of God. Who have not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. So he's saying that this is the trajectory of your life. This is the pattern of the movement of your life. He said that you are a chosen generation, so you are chosen. Your royal priesthood, you are chosen for dominion, for kingdom expression, for kingdom mandate. But then it says you are a holy nation, Right. You are a holy nation, royal priesthood, kingdom, and the priesthood together. But then you are a different people. You are a different combination of persons. You, you have imputed righteousness 
and then you have holiness that is positional and that is by association so the first dimension of holiness a believer has is holiness by possession because you are possessed by the spirit of god you have you have holiness by possession but god doesn't just want us to have holiness by position and holiness by possession he wants us to have holiness in progression and holiness in manifestation right that's why he says he has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light so that you can proclaim his praises now let me explain further when we go to first peter chapter 1 13 through 16 first peter 1 13, 13 through 16 it says therefore gird up the loins of your mind be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children. So I'm not disputing that you're children, but I want to be obedient children. As obedient children, watch this. Not conforming yourselves to the former lusts. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life. Uh, to the things that tripped you up. Excessiveness. Indulgence, uh, overtures in the world, negativity, lying, cheating, stealing, manipulation, sexual impurity, violence. He says, don't indulge in that. Bad-mouthing people, gossiping. He says, you are now to live as obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former loss. When it says conforming, it's talking about aligning, fitting into the dictate of your previous desires. He said, I don't want that to happen. It says, but as he who called you is, sorry, uh, confirming yourselves to the former lust, as in your ignorance. So those times when you ran after the wrong girl, you slept with her, with the wrong guy, slept with him. I said, wrong, people you're not married to. Anybody that you're not married to is wrong for you to sleep with, okay? <laughs> but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy, how? In all your conduct. So what he's saying here in this New Testament is that even though you are called a saint, even though you have holiness by position and possession, God wants you to have holiness in progression and in manifestation. He wants you to walk in a lifestyle of holiness. That's what he's saying here when he said, but as he who called you is holy, because he has called you to holiness, he has called to himself, the more you respond to him, the more the changes will be in your conduct. He said, be holy, not in some of your conduct, but in all your conduct. He says, because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. This is 1 Peter 1, 13, 16. Let me read good measure as well. When we skip all the way to verse 22 to 25, this is very important and you need this for your spiritual growth. So pay close attention. Verse 22 to 25, it says, since you have purified, watch what it says now. He says, since you, not God, since you now have purified your souls, how do you purify your souls? Don't forget that the earlier passage, 13 to 16, he says that you should not be like disobedient children. You should be like obedient children. Is actually what it says. It says, as obedient children. Now, he says here, since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth, how do you obey the truth? I'll get to that. But how do you purify your soul? You purify your soul through obedience. So, responding to God in obedience is the guarantee of purification. Responding to God in obedience is what purifies my soul. Ha <laughs> ha, yeah, 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 yeah. 
So purifying my soul is not a function of resolution, it's a function of response to revelation. Response to instruction. Response to what the Lord says. Thank you, Lord. So how do I purify my soul? By responding to the truth. He said that you are purified your souls in obeying the truth through... Now, how does that obedience happen? Obeying the truth through the Spirit. The Holy Spirit, capital S. In sincere love of the brethren. He says, love one another fervently with a pure heart. How can I love you with a pure heart? By responding to the truth, by obeying the truth. How do I obey the truth? By the Spirit. So I obey the truth by the Spirit. And that obedience purifies my soul. (laughs) And so I'm able to walk not only in positional holiness, but in progressive holiness. In manifest holiness. In holiness in all my conduct. Come on somebody. (laughs) So watch this. It says, love another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again. So I have been born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever, because, why? All flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withers, and its flower falls away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word which by the gospel was put to you. Summary. Manifest holiness comes through obedience to the truth. Obedience to the truth is possible through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. That's why Peter says that all flesh is grass. So many of you are dealing with certain maybe tendencies or idiosyncrasies or habits or patterns in your life and you think it's in me. I'm a bad person. No! He says your flesh is grass. All flesh is grass. Your flesh is grass. My flesh is grass. The brethren's flesh is grass. The Pope's flesh is grass. The Bible says all flesh is grass. So how do you deal with the grass? You know how you deal with grass? If you want to deal with grass, you cut the grass with the sword. The sword of the spirits. That's just a metaphor. You deal with the flesh with the edge of revelation. How do you wield that sword? By the empowerment of the Holy Spirit because you can have the word. A soldier can have a sword and be too tired to wield it. Similarly, the believer can have access to the word of God but to be too, and be too tired, spiritually tired. So the Holy Spirit empowers me to walk in holiness. The Holy Spirit is not just for me to speak in tongues, pray in tongues, get excited, have things, you know, uh, butterflies in my stomach, get, feel energy or goosebumps like sometimes we feel when we listen to, to messages like this. The Holy Spirit is called the Holy Spirit because he is holy. And he produces holiness by himself in my life. You see that? He's not, just, he's not called the excited spirit. Even though you know, we can get excited because of him. He's not called the goosebump spirit. He's not called uh, the intellectual spirit. He's called the Holy Spirit. Because he's a spirit of holiness. It's a different spirit. And when that spirit comes on the inside of you, he produces different responses to the situation. Produces different fruits in your life. Produces different manifestations. So get that now. It produces holiness. And so the fruits of the spirit are indicators of the manifestation of holiness, which is also a manifestation of the love of God. Because God is holy. God is love. <laughs> yeah. So love essentially is designed to be a manifestation of God's distinction, God's difference, God's holiness. 
Now let me read something to you that will help you tie this up. Romans 1, 3 to 4. Romans 1, 3 to 4. It says, concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh. So take notice of that. Peter says, all flesh is grass. It says that Jesus Christ was born according to the flesh. Uh, sorry, according to the seed of David. Who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh. And declared to be the son of God. With what? With power. According to the spirit of holiness. By the resurrection from the dead. So Romans 1, 3 to 4. Jesus Christ is born of the seed. Comes to the lineage of David, but then his declaration as the Son of God does not come from his fleshly resolution or his fleshly manifestation or his fleshly enticement or his fleshly affirmation. He says that it was declared to be the Son of God according or with power according to the Spirit of holiness. So your sonship, Hayah. The manifestation of your sonship will never come through resolutions in the flesh. It is the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of holiness that produces progressive holiness in your life. So when it says in John 17, 17, sanctify them by their truth, your word is truth. The Spirit of truth that we read about in John 14, 13 to 16, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, bears witness of the truth of God's word and then takes up the truth of God's word and empowers me frees me in my life so I can make the choice to walk in it. So the Holy Spirit does not uh, compel me. When I say compel, does not force me to be holy. He produces holiness in me by liberating me through the truth of his word. So I am free to walk away from Alcohol. I'm free to walk away from porn. I'm free to walk away from aggression. I'm free to walk away from bitterness because it's not by my power. The Holy Spirit is pouring through me. You know, one of the phrases I use a, a lot of times in my daily life help me, Holy Ghost. I receive your help, Holy Spirit. Help me, Holy Spirit. I walk in your help, Holy Spirit. I walk in your power, Holy Spirit. I have the power to walk in this. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You must be conscious of that. When you're tempted to click on that website, you shouldn't click. When you're tempted to make that phone call, you shouldn't make. When you're tempted to send, you know, those graphic images you shouldn't send. They call them nudes. <laughs> and, you know, when you have the nudes, then that's rude and that's crude. Devil wants to brood. <laughs> you, you get that now? Say, Lord, I have the spirit of holiness. It's not just the sensitivity for holiness, but I have the spirit of holiness. And by that spirit, I'm empowered. Glory to God. Somebody say, I'm not a sinner anymore. Tap in the comment box, I'm not a sinner anymore. I'm free to walk away from the things that held me bound before. I'm free to walk away from rudeness. I don't have to be rude. I don't have to put up that sarcastic message on my WhatsApp story. I don't have to reply to that person with a nasty attitude. I don't have to be bound by envy. I might be tempted to be jealous, to be envious, but I don't have to respond to the temptation. Why? Because I have the spirit of holiness. I have the spirit of holiness. I don't have to be greedy. I don't have to be stingy, I don't have to be selfish, I don't have to be bound by money, I don't have to not give an offering today all in the drive to save money because I'm not bound by my fleshly appetites, I'm not bound by the dictates of the world around me, I'm not bound by the, by the patterns of my past, by the grip of my history, I have the spirit of holiness and the Holy Spirit produces in my life holiness progressively manifest holiness 
I'm bearing the fruit of the spirit. I hope somebody got this one. If you've got, let me let me know. Tag in the comment box. I hear, I hear. High five somebody. Say, I'm walking in holiness. I'm walking in holiness. If only many of us would depend on the Holy Spirit for holiness as much as we depend on the Holy Spirit for his gifts. If many of us would crave the manifestation of his holiness in our lives more than the manifestation of his gifts, more than the manifestation of the, of the temporary outburst of somebody speaking in tongues, do you know how much fruitful our lives would be? Because we are operating not only from his charismata, but we are operating from his character. Not only from his gifts, but from his essence and his heart. The second thing the Holy Spirit produces in my life that I'm empowered for, hey, is that the Holy Spirit produces hope. I'm empowered for holiness. I'm empowered for hope and empowered with hope. And this is very important. The world today is in despair. Many people are anxious. Many people are petrified. Many people are terrified. Many people feel harassed. Many people are like, oh my God, what are we going to do? The year is over. I can't wait for 2021. Oh, this one is done for. But the Holy Spirit gives us a different reaction and response to the situations around us. So in Romans chapter 5 from verse 1, he says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Hey, ya shakaya. He says, we have peace with God. How do we have peace with God? We have peace with God by the Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We rejoice. So hope brings rejoicing. And the words is the presence of God, there is fullness of joy. One of the ways in which that joy happens is not that we're just hysterical, we're unreasonable people who are just overly excited about everything. No, we rejoice because we know we are not hopeless. We rejoice because we know that we are not helpless. It says we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulation. So of course, the hope of the glory of God, the ultimate of that is that one day we're going to be caught up with Jesus Christ in the clouds. Hey, hey, one day we're going to be away from this place. Revelation says there will be no more tears. It will wipe every tear from our eyes. One day we will stop being belabored and beleaguered by the struggles and the challenges and difficulties and the crisis all around us. One day. So there's going to be a manifestation of glory to us and in us. But Paul is saying it's not just that one I'm speaking about. Verse 3 says, and not only that, but we also glory now. He didn't put now there, but I'm going to tell you why I said now. We glory in tribulations. Why? Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, same power, capacity. And perseverance produces character and character hope. Do you see that? Let me just mention something to you. And this might seem insensitive. But hopelessness is not just a function of despair. Hopelessness is an indication of a faulty or immature character. Oh my God, you might need to think about that again. <laughs> That's what my Bible suggests here, says here. It says not only do we reject the hope of the glory of God, but we also glory in tribulations. So when things are not working, how do you respond? That's a reflection of your character. It's a reflection of your conviction of what the Bible says. I was saying something to my wife a couple of days ago. I said to her, 
death is a difficult thing to grapple with, especially the death of loved ones, closed ones, or people that we know to be good, loving, kind, sweet. It's tough. It's difficult. But from my study of the scripture, you know one of, one of the things I've also come to realize? That the way we view death and the way we handle death is a reflection of our conviction. Do I see death as a dead end or do I see death as a doorway into life eternal? That's a discussion for another day. But look at this now. He says, not only that, but we also glory in tribulations knowing, we know this one, that tribulation produces perseverance. Somebody shout, tribulation is producing for me. If you're thinking that word, tribulation is a big word, and it might be a big word for many of us. Thinking that word is a big word, tribulation, just think about tribulation as trouble that has gone through graduation. Graduation on top of tribulation. That's tribulation is trouble with PhD. Trouble with an advanced, advanced degree. Trouble, right? So we see that now, he said, not only that, but we also glory in tribulation, that's deep trouble. Knowing that tribulation produces, type in the comment box, it's producing for me. What is the pain doing? It's producing for me. What is the struggle doing? It's producing for me. What is the pressure doing? It's producing for me. What are the temptations, agitations? Why are these girls calling my number? Back in, day in, day out. Am I supposed to just fall, trip for them, let down my guards and play the game? No! The tribulation, the intensity of the pressure is producing for you. How is it producing when you're going through that? Remember that you have another help of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Holiness. So every temptation I face is an opportunity for me to rely on the Spirit of Holiness. And so Holy Spirit, I need you now, otherwise I will mess up. Producing for us perseverance, and then perseverance produces character, and character produces hope. And I said something earlier hopelessness is not a function of despair or the pressure around you, it's a reflection of the character. When you have a solid character, you don't give up hope, even when things don't go out the way you plan, you still hope for the best in the face of the worst. You still hope. David said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? In the natural, in the natural, the odds were stacked against him. But he had hope. Why? Because character produces hope. Solidity. And we have the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to help us with that. Somebody give God praise in the house of God. Somebody give God praise. Come on. Give God praise that you have hope and a solid character. Now look at what it says. Now this hope does not disappoint because, why? The love of God has been shared abroad in our hearts by who? The Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit sheds the love of God in our hearts by the love of God in the midst of tribulation we rejoice because we know that God loves us not because of trouble but in spite of trouble. Let me say that again. God loves us not because of trouble but in spite of trouble. So when we face trouble we don't abandon the conviction that God loves us. I posted something a couple of weeks ago. I said I do not know everything but I will not allow what I don't know stop me from holding 
hoping and believing and rejoicing in what I do know. And that's the gift and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit helps me to produce hope when all hell is breaking loose. When the doctor says no. When the accountant says it will not work. When the landlord is harassing me. When family members are asking questions. When I'm asking God when. <laughs> God when. When will I get married? When will things work out? When will I flow in the gifts of the Spirit? When will I lay hands on the sick and sick them recover? I'm not giving up hope. I am staying there because the Holy Spirit keeps producing hope. And faith is a substance of things hoped for. Hope is the substratum of faith. This is what Paul understood. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Look at what Paul says in verse 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels of the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. He says we are hot pressed on every side. Yes! We are not crushed. Hey! Hard pressed. Have you been hard pressed lately? Have you been under pressure lately? Have you been hard pressed financially? Have you been hard pressed emotionally? When you just want to end up being an emotional basket case throwing in the towel saying I can't do it any longer. Checking your responsibilities. Moving on and saying God do you say, see you all later. I'm out of here. You can suck yourself out. Have you been hard pressed lately? Where you check your pocket and your wallet. And it looks like you have nothing to show for it. Have you been hard pressed lately? Where you've put in your heart and things like. The Bible says that we are hard pressed. Not just on one side. But every side, yet we are not crushed. It says we are perplexed, but not in despair. We have character persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. What are we doing? Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ. That the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death. For Jesus is saying that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. He's saying that because we believe in Jesus Christ. <laughs> we live with a consciousness that Christ has died in the flesh. And because we understand that Christ has died in the flesh, we are empowered by the Spirit to die to the flesh. In hope of the consummate resurrection in the final hour. But also, that hope of the final resurrection, the hope that our mortality was solved by immortality, that hope also helps me go through the graduated temptations, the graduated temp pressure, the graduated evil and tribulation that I have to confront as a human being in the earth. The Holy Spirit produces hope in me. Somebody give God praise for hope. Number three, I gotta close. Number three, the Holy Spirit guarantees help. Guarantees help. Hayakosa. Guarantees help. That's what Jesus said in the pilot text for today. If you remember the pilot text in John chapter 14. John 14 from verse 13. He says, I will. It says, uh, help me, help me, help me. Sorry, from verse 16 actually. It says, and I will pray the Father and it will give you another helper. That he may abide with you forever. So the, one of the nomenclatural descriptions of the Holy Spirit is helper. Helper. He's the helper. He says he will send you another helper. Paraclete. Paraclete is helper beside. But now he's the helper beside who's inside. But he's never beside himself. Hey, 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 hey. Somebody shout I have help. When, I'm, when the word says I'm born for this. That means that I have help in the middle of this. In the middle of economic downturns, I have help. In the middle of crazy deadlines, I have help. In the middle of manipulative work, workers or colleagues in the workplace, I have help. 
in the middle of impatient, impatient family members, I have help. In the middle of my own shenanigans, my own issues, I have help. In the middle of things the words cannot describe, I still have help. Somebody shout, I have help. Somebody shout aloud, I have help. Let me read a couple of things to you that will help you really understand this. Hebrews, I'm almost done. Hebrews chapter 13. I know many of you wish I could continue. So I'll continue for about 7 to 10 more minutes. <laughs> Hebrews 13. <laughs> because I still have a lot to share. The word says in verse 5. And I'm going to read from another version soon. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. Don't let the crookedness of your generation produce crookedness in your life. Don't let the agitation in your environment produce distortion in your character. That's what I'm saying. Don't become covetous. Because people are like, oh, the economy is tough, you know. You have to find a way around. You have to manipulate things. Or you have to move things. Don't let that be your story. Don't let that be your story. Understand this. So let your conduct be without covetousness. Remember that the spirit of holiness produces holiness on the inside of you. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you, not forsake you. Verse 6 says, because I understand that. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. Let's say that together. Beat your chest and say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. Beat your chest until you can hear a sound and resound. Say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Say louder, the Lord is my helper. Yes, the Lord is my helper. Say louder, we're almost done. The Lord is my helper. Say with conviction, the Lord is my helper. I'm empowered for this. I have help for this. I have reinforcement for this. The Lord is my helper. He helps me overcome the lust of the flesh. He helps me overcome disease and despair. He helps me overcome shame and trauma. Yes, you can get over the childhood trauma. No longer do you need to wear the trauma from your past as a badge on your forehead. It can be an access to your testimony but it's not the crown you wear the trauma is not the badge stop relaxing on the crotch of past mistakes that is not you the words of any man being Christ he is a new creature shout the Lord is my helper he helps me forgive the unforgivable he helps me ignore the things that are calling me that are negative he helps me the Lord is my helper what can man do to me what can the MD do to me what can the COO do to me what can the CEO do to me? What can the CIO do to me? What can the CIA do to me? What can the FBI do to me? What can the MI5 do to me? What can the Mossad do to me? What can espionage do to me? What can secret spy police do to me? The Lord is my helper. What can the androbers do to me? Shout nothing. Shout nothing. What can the killers do to me? What can the murderers do to me? What can the schemers do to me? What can the manipulators do to me? What can the offender do to me? nothing. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. I will not fear the policy. I will not fear the negative mandates. I will not fear the negative projections. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Oh, come on. I wish somebody would dance a jig where you are. I wish somebody would clap and shout where you are. I wish somebody would holler right where you are. Let me read it to you in a simpler translation verse 5. <laughs> 
It says, let your character, this amplified, in a different translation rather, amplified. Hebrews 13 verse 5 and amplified. Let your character, in bracket, your moral essence, your inner nature, be free from the love of money. Because the trouble of the world can make you love money, even when you don't have money. You can have the love of money. The Bible says that love of money is the root of all evil. It's a shun greed. Be financially ethical. Being content with what you have. For he has said, God has said, I will never in capital, in bracket, under any circumstances. Oh, come on, somebody post this in the chat box. Amplified version. He says, I will never, under any circumstances, desert you. COVID won't make me desert you. Corona won't make me desert you. The, 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 the desert you. The color won't make me desert you. Failure won't make you make me desert you. Don't forget, so I'll never leave you. Under any circumstances, divert, desert you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support, nor will I in any degree leave you helpless, nor will I forsake or let you down. Or relax my hold on you. Do you get this? Even if you're in jail, God says, I'm with you there. Even if you don't know what to do, where to turn, who to talk to, everybody who promised you failed you. God said, I will not relax my hold. Somebody shout, I'm in the grip of grace. Clench your fist like this. If you can hold an object somewhere where you are, hold the object in your hand like this. And say, God's got me like this. God's got me like this. God's got me. He's got a grip on me. Oh, I wish we'd even do a God grip challenge or something like that. How has God got you? God's got me like this in the middle of the storm. So I will not relax. My hold on you are surely not. He says, so we take comfort and are encouraged and confidently say, the Lord is my helper. In time of need, I will not be afraid. What will man do to me? What will man do to me? Hey, Katos Palayada. Can somebody dance like they're excited? This is the reason you're empowered for this. The Holy Spirit empowers you, produces holiness in your life so that you can stand without guilt or condemnation, free from the accusation of hell. Then it gives you hope so you know you're not holy in vain. You know you're not called to anything, but there's a hope of your calling which consummates or culminates in the glorification of your body and unification in your entirety with Christ, right? But that hope also pulls you through the pressure you face now. But not only that, you also have help. Help for your assignment. Help for your mission. Let me give you a couple of ways. I'm not going to read any other chapter, but you can study Isaiah 41, right? A couple of ways in which the Holy Spirit helps you. The Holy Spirit helps me. To see Jesus. The Holy Spirit guides me into all truth. The Holy Spirit shows me what I should go, where I should go, what I should do. The Holy Spirit doesn't just help me overcome the lust of the flesh, overcome temptation. He also teaches me how to pray. Not only does he teach me how to pray, he produces intercession from within me. The Holy Spirit helps me overcome lust, helps me overcome despair, helps me overcome shame, helps me overcome my past, helps me overcome the world, helps me pray. 
I have help. Help me know where to turn. Help me see Jesus in the intensity of my situation. The Holy Spirit is my helper. Have you received the gift of the Holy Spirit today? And if you have, are you walking in the manifestation of the power of the Holy Spirit? Are you moving with a consciousness? This week, that is your assignment. Whenever you face an obstacle, shout, I have the help of the Holy Spirit. Shout, Holy Ghost, I know you're with me. Shout, Holy Spirit, I know you indwell me. I'm not an orphan. I'm not abandoned. I'm not left alone. I'm not without support. There's a family support program. God the Father, Jesus my brother, the Holy Spirit my helper. I'm clad with a cloak of righteousness. I'm surrounded by the mercy of Jehovah. I'm immersed in the river of revelation, the oil of God. I am soaked with light, with life, with truth. Glory to God. Somebody worship the Lord right now. Worship God and the beauty of His holiness. Thank Him. Thank Him. That you are now beginning to walk in the beauty of that holiness. Let me tell you something. There's beauty in holiness. There is beauty in holiness. It's attractive. It pulls you in. Thank God that holiness has been produced. Manifest holiness. Not just positional holiness, but progressive holiness. Holiness in your manifestation. In manifestation. Holiness in your daily life. Glorify Him. That the Holy Spirit is empowering you. To say yes to righteousness. Walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh, the Bible says. Thank the Lord that you're walking in the spirit. Thank the Lord that you're growing daily. Psalm 90 verse 12 says, teach us number of days may apply us into wisdom. On a daily basis, you are applying your heart into wisdom by the Holy Spirit. Thank the Lord that the spirit of holiness finds expression. Now, can you also thank him? If you've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that you have hope. That you have enough hope to give. Enough hope to impart your generation. When people are downcast and despair. When the family goes off in a scene. The diesel scene of cynicism. You are the voice in the house. Intercepting the negativity and the toxicity of the conversation. Saying we are not hopeless. Hope rises on the horizon. You are the one birthing it. Oh, begin to thank him for help. Whatever it is you're struggling with right now in your life, whatever obstacle is in front of you or any assignment, somebody uh, posted something because of the weekend said, I'm scared. I reached out to him and said to me, I'm working on a project that is so heavy and I began to speak hope into his heart and give him suggestions. Watch this. The reason you have the helper in your life is so that you can be a helper in the life of other people. The help of the Holy Spirit in your life makes you a helper in this life to other people. The Holy Spirit takes the Holy Scriptures and manifests holiness in your life. Similarly, the, the Spirit of help, the helper produces help in your life. And the help in your life becomes help to somebody else. Thank Him that you are manifesting help to other people. This week you are helping somebody financially. You are helping somebody emotionally. You are helping somebody psychologically. You are helping somebody mentally. You are helping somebody with counsel, with prayer, with direction, with leadership, with support, with discipleship. You are a helper to people because the helper lives on the inside of you. And if you have been baptized with the Holy Ghost, pray in tongues right now. If you have not received the gift of the Holy Spirit, I want you to ask the Lord. Say, Lord, I receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Wherever you are, say, Lord, I receive the gift of your Holy Spirit. 
Oh, Father, I pray for everybody who's saying this prayer right now. I pray, O oh Lord, for everyone who is yet to be baptized with your precious Holy Spirit. In this moment, in the simplicity of this moment, let there be impartation via this platform in the name of Jesus Christ. Baptized from the crowns of their heads to the soles of their feet. Immerse everybody right now with the evidence of speaking in tongues, but also with the fruit of peace and love, joy, kindness, goodness, meekness, self-control against which there is no law. Walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Everybody, let's pray in the Holy Ghost right now. Everyone, Paco Work this revelation in your spirit, man. Work it in your spirit, man. Work it in your spirit, man. Pray. Stand up from that bed. Stand up from that couch. Hey, I would be standing right now, but I don't want to get out of the line of sight. No more ordinariness. You walk in holiness. You offer hope. You walk in help. In the name of Jesus Christ. This will proclaim with thanksgiving. This is not a hopeless house. It's a house of hope. This is not an unholy house. It's a house of holiness. And this is not a helpless house. This is a house of help. Everyone connected to this house this week and beyond for the rest of your days. Walk in increasing measures in this area because you are in part for this. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen and amen. Oh my goodness, it's a good time to clap, it's a good time to holler, it's a good time to shout, it's a good time to walk in power, to pace around, it's a good time to chat in the comment box, to put heart, 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 emoji, 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 fire, 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 put it in right now, in the comment box. Oh, don't forget, it's not about your resolution, it's about your responsiveness to the Spirit of God. Glory to God, if you have not received Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life, that means you cannot even receive this gift of the Holy Spirit, because the Bible makes it very clear that the world does not know him. The world cannot receive him because the world does not see him, does not acknowledge him, does not recognize him. The world don't have the capacity. The world doesn't have the capacity. People of the world don't have the capacity to perceive the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. But right now, I wanted to just say, Lord, I am a sinner. I realize that. When we talk about salvation, you are being saved from sin. You are being saved from the fallen state that Adam was in. So in this moment, place a hand on your chest. So, Lord, I know I am in desperate need of a Savior. I know that. I know I am in need of a Savior. I know I am in need of a Savior. I know I am in need of a Savior, Lord. And I place my faith in Jesus Christ. I don't place my faith in video games. I don't place my faith in superheroes. I don't place my faith in the antiques of the enemy. I place my faith in Jesus Christ. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that Jesus Christ is the propitiation for my sins. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Lord of my life. I receive and accept the spirit work in the name of Jesus. I receive and accept the faith work of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus, because my name is written in your book. I am saved and transcended by your power. In Jesus' name of praise. Generation is rising on an emerging generation of kings. To join this growing community of kings, visit www.kingdomcentral.org and send your full name and email address to 0908-123-4566. One more thing, someone you know needs this. Kindly share this how.